Good to be with you today. Uh, my name is Travis. Uh, I am a pastor at Embrace, specifically uh, at the T campus. I'm excited to be with you. I've actually been on uh, staff at Embrace now seven years, which seven is God's number. So I think I'm just going to spontaneously turn into Jesus here really soon, right? No, maybe not. Jesus had hair, at least by the, the pictures I've seen that artists have that artists have drawn. Uh, but excited to be here. Just, I, I love my job. Love what I get to do. And that's because of you guys. Um, as a church, uh, you are one of the best congregations to serve. And I serve in tea, but I know it's true everywhere. And so just excited to be able to do what I, I do. Uh, we are in the uh, last uh, series, the last message in our series called Follow. So this is the fifth uh, week. And so we're going to get into that second, but first I wanted to uh, tell you a quick story. Um, I'm, I'm a relatively big person compared to the national average. I think the national average for height is, for males, is 5'8". I'm 6'2", and I weigh 215 pounds. As you can probably guess, I have not always been this big. I had to grow. Um, and in fact, at one point I was kind of a shrimp. When I got my license when I was 14 years old, and yes, those of you over in St. Croix, Minnesota, and if you're not from South Dakota, we can get our licenses when we're 14 years old. And now that I have kids, what is the state thinking? That is, that's craziness. But I got my license when I was 14 years old, and on it, it read 5'3", 125 pounds. I grew 11 inches in like a year and a half. It was insane, and my knees hurt really bad. Uh, Let's just say... Puberty hadn't visited me yet. Heck, puberty wasn't even knocking on my door. <laughs> um, I was shaving, but it was just peach fuzz. You know, just the peach fuzz falling, falling off. Um, but one of the worst things about being late to the puberty game, besides the lack of interest from girls, because that was real <laughs> at the time, uh, still is real. I don't need it. I'm married. What are we talking about? Sorry. Um, besides that was answering the phone. Now, some of you are not going to understand this because you're too young, but we used to, in one household, there used to be how many phones? One phone, and it was like on the wall, and like if your boyfriend or girlfriend was calling, you had to hightail it to that phone before mom and dad got there, right? There was only one phone, and it could be extremely embarrassing, but uh, I would often answer the phone in my house, and I had this this experience that would happen over and over. So I want to act this out. What a typical time for me answering the phone would be. And I'm a master thespian, so just watch out. So this is my phone right here, okay? Ring, 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 ring. I answer the phone. Uh, Hello? Uh, Hello, Ginger. How are you doing? Ginger is my mom's name. Oh, this isn't Ginger. This is uh, her son, Travis. Travis? Really? You sound just like your mom. You sound so much like your mom. It is crazy. Has anyone ever told you that you sound like your mom before? Every time I answer the phone, and it's demoralizing. (laughs) Honestly, it is demoralizing that you would think I sound like a 40-year-old woman. Hang up. Dude, this happened over and over and over to me, so much so that I think I need therapy for it. I think I am permanently scarred uh, for the rest of, of my life. And I just want us to be vulnerable here. Any raise of hands, any late bloomers here at any of our campuses that can relate to my story? Anybody? Yeah, there's a couple, and then there's a few of you that are lying and still can't admit 
that you were a late bloomer. Well, I hadn't matured yet. I still sounded like my mom. But as I began to mature, I started to change. I started to grow. Like I said, 11 inches in a year and a half. My voice dropped. The peach fuzz turned to whiskers. And most importantly, I started smelling like a man, which just means I started to stink and needed deodorant. As I matured, I sounded less like my mom and more like my dad. Now, this is really typical in boys, but also in girls. A lot of times a boy, when they are young, they will resemble their father. But as they mature and they grow and they get into their 20s and their 30s and their face starts to take shape, they don't resemble their father anymore. They look a lot like their dad. So what's the point of this? Just like this is true of us physically, we need to mature. This is also true of us spiritually. As we mature, as we grow in our faith, we should begin to look more like our Father. We should begin to look more like Jesus. The Bible has a word for this. It's a big word just called sanctification. It just means as we grow, as we move towards the heart of God, that we would begin to look more like uh, Jesus. Uh, So Adam, uh, I don't know if you were here five weeks ago, he kicked off uh, this series uh, talking about dots and circles and arrows. If you missed that and want to get an art lesson from Adam Weber, go back to week one. Uh, But he said in the center of this diagram is a a circle. And this big circle represents the heart of God. This represents all that God is. And then outside of the circle are these littler dots that represent our lives. Some of them are far away. Some of them are close. Some of them are a little bit closer, farther away. They're all over the place. And what Adam said is, and this was really great, is the location of our dot is not as important as the direction of our arrow. So you could be really close to the heart of God, but your arrow could be pointing the wrong direction. Or you could be far away, and your arrow could be pointing towards God. So what I want to do today, I want to take this illustration just one step uh, further as we close up this follow series. Uh, As our dots point to the center of God, our lives will start to move in as well. As our arrows point to the heart of God, our dots will start to move in closer. We will begin to look more like Jesus. Like I said, it's a big word called sanctification, or for our purposes today, we're just going to call this maturity. Christian maturity. As we grow up, we begin to look more like our Father. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. I want to read to you a passage from Hebrews uh, chapter 5, and this is uh, what it says. It says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. 
But solid food is there, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Uh, so as a Christian, there is a path from infancy to maturity. There is a path from solid, or sorry, from milk to solid food. There's a path from a 14-year-old boy who sounds like his mom to a 37-year-old man who has no hair on his head. And this today, I just want to call the path to Christian maturity. And if you're a Christian, this is a path that we need to walk. We need to walk towards the heart of God. So my question is, are you walking that walk? Are you maturing? Are you growing? Because the truth is, if our arrow is pointed inward, we have started this journey. So I just want to give you three thoughts today. As you journey towards maturity, as we all journey towards maturity, what are three things that we need to remember on this journey? The first, the first thought that we need to remember on the journey to maturity is resist the idols. 1 Corinthians 10 says this, No temptation is overtaking you that is not common to man. God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your own ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's the part. Therefore, my beloved, my church, the people I love, flee, run, resist idolatry. Now, this word idol might be a little weird for us. It maybe brings up ideas of American Idol and Simon Cowell, or maybe uh, idolizing your favorite movie star or sports team. But in the Bible, it's very clear an idol is simply something that steals our worship. We are meant to worship God. An idol is something, something that just simply steals our worship. To go back to our diagram, an idol is something that just redirects our arrow. It's just something that takes our arrow off of God. Like a compass, right? A compass, it always points north, right? But what happens if you put a magnet by it? It wavers. It wavers away from north. Idols are like little magnets in our life. They take us off center. They take us off true north. They take us off of Jesus Christ. Here's the sad truth. An arrow pointed into the center will not remain there. The truth is there is a million things in this world that want your worship. There's a million things in here that want your arrow to waver. And so as we journey towards maturity, we need to resist the idols. You and I, we will worship something this is truth of all humanity. Even if you're not religious, we will all worship something. We are worshipers. We are arrow pointers. The question is, what will we worship? So how do you know if something's an idol? Here's just a few quick questions. Uh, what is something in your life you'd give your whole life to? Could be an idol. What are you devoted to? Where are all your desires and passions focused? Where are you spending your time? How you answer that question might point to the idols in your life. Now, in the Bible, oftentimes idols were silver and gold card images, uh, but that doesn't have to be an idol. Anything that moves our arrow, anything that steals our worship is an idol. And so there's a lot of idols, modern-day idols, 
that we experience. Success can be an idol. Security can be an idol. Social media can be an idol. Possessions can be idols. People, friends, relationship, families can be idols. Entertainment can be an idol. Power can be an idol. Our jobs, the place that you go every single day can be an idol. Now, none of these things in themselves are bad. They're only bad when we worship them. They're only bad when our arrows point at them. So what are your idols? Where, what are the things that steal your worship? What are the things that knock your arrow off course? As we journey towards maturity, we have to resist the magnets. We have to resist the idols because idols will stunt our growth. Idols will stunt our maturity. So that's the first thought. Resist the idols. The second thought to remember as we journey to maturity, maturity is uh, beware of busyness. Uh, the path towards the heart of God is not primarily about knowing more. The path towards the heart of God is not primarily about doing more. The path to the heart of God is not primarily thinking about more. The path to the heart of God is primarily about being with God more. It is about being in relationship, spending time with him. Now, this is the story of the Bible. If you're wondering what the whole Bible is about, from Genesis to Revelations, it is about God trying to figure out how to be in a relationship with sinful humanity. From Adam and Eve to Noah to Moses to the prophets to David to Jesus Christ, God is doing all these different things from the Ten Commandments to Jesus to speaking through the prophets, trying to get us back into a right relationship with him. That's the whole story of the Bible. So our path to maturity, hey, learn lots of things, do lots of things. That is not bad. But it is primarily about being with God. Being with God. And I believe there is nothing in the world that will keep us from being with God better than busyness. I believe... Uh, there, oh, sorry, there's a story in the Bible about um, Mary and Martha. And some of you have been in church, you know this story. Uh, but Mary, or sorry, Martha is, uh, Jesus came, comes to visit these sisters, Mary and Martha. And uh, Martha is just going crazy. She's cleaning everything, doing everything. And Mary is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha complains to Jesus, say, hey, do you see Mary? She's not helping me at all, blah, blah, blah. And it's just one of the coolest things. Jesus just looks at Martha and says, Martha, Martha. You were worried. You were distracted by so many things. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Beware of busyness. I believe, and this is my opinion, that we live in the busiest time in the history of humanity. Um, we're from the Midwest, so we, we're nice, right? We say yes to everything. Anybody ask us something, we say yes. We work tons of hours. Our kids are in 10,000 activities. Any amen? Amens? They're in 10,000 activities. 
And if we actually get a second free, if we actually get a second free where we can maybe sit and spend time with the Lord, what do we do? Pull out our phones. Our phones have just killed our lives. Busyness is killing us. I think one of the most spiritual things you could do this week, not read your Bible, not pray, one of the most spiritual things that you and I could do this week is stop doing so much crap. Dead serious. Stop it. Stop doing so much stuff. The whole journey to maturity is about being with God, but the truth is, and I know this is true of some of us, we don't have any time to do it. We are going from dawn to dusk. We wake up, we go to work, we get home, or we take our kids to stuff, and we do it all again. We have no time to do anything. The busyness is killing us. Because the whole purpose is to spend time with the Lord. If we're missing that, we're just doing activities, spiritual activities. We've missed the whole point of the journey towards maturity. The busyness is killing us. I think if we were to stop and just talk with Jesus about this, and Jesus would ask us the question, um, why aren't you spending more time with me? The whole purpose of this is that you would spend time with God who created you. And I think if we turn to Jesus and say, you know, I've just been really busy. I think he would turn back to us and say, well, stop it. Stop being busy. You know the reason why I think he'd say that is because I think that's what he told Martha in the story. Martha was running out crazy. He's like, hey, you know what? Mary's chosen what's better. Why don't you stop what you're doing and choose what is better? And that's really at the end of the day what busyness is about is we're busying ourselves with things that aren't as good. Jesus is better, amen? Jesus is better and spending time with him is better, but we've lost ourselves in a sea of distractions. So as you journey towards maturity, ask yourself this question often, maybe every day. What do I need to remove so I can allow space to be with God? What do I need to remove so I can allow space to be with God? The last thing to remember, last thought to remember on this journey towards maturity is take responsibility. If we aren't growing, we cannot blame that on anyone but ourselves. As we journey towards maturity, it is our responsibility to grow. Mature Christians take responsibility for their maturity. Now, this is, this is a little harsh, but spiritually speaking, Christians don't live in their parents' basements. Christians don't have their moms pay their mortgages. They take responsibility for their maturity. Now, what I'm not saying is that you need to do this alone. <laughs> We need other people in our lives. We need a church family. We need a small group. We need godly friends. We need mentors. We need spiritual shepherds that can help lead us. We need other people to hold us up and help us grow. Jesus did this. Jesus had friends around him the entire time. Friends that served with him. They, they upheld him. They, they prayed with him. He had friends around him the entire time. But we also see all throughout the Gospels, Something that we see here in Luke chapter 5. And it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more 
so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to the lonely places and he prayed. All throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus. The demands on his life were crazy. People wanted him to heal him. People wanted healing from him. They wanted to hear him preach. But Jesus withdrew alone by himself to pray. Jesus owned his spiritual maturity. You might be saying, oh, he's Jesus. He's the son of God. He was a human just like us. He needed to grow just like us. He took responsibility for his maturity. As we journey towards this maturity, we need to stop blaming and start taking responsibility. Um, I, I wish I could say I've already, I always knew this. Um, I just want to be a little vulnerable with you. I, I, I don't, I didn't. Uh, and in some ways I'm still learning. Um, when I got out of college and kind of journeyed on, I mean, I hopped from ministry to ministry from church to church, always looking for the magic sauce, always looking for more, always looking for the perfect situation, always looking for the place where I could be fed. And even when I came to embrace, I struggled with stuff. I struggled with things. I got frustrated about things. And this happened about four years ago. I feel like God hit me upside the head. He said, Travis, do you want to live in your parents' basement or do you want to be an adult? That was my paraphrase of what he said. Uh, You have people pouring into your life. You've always had people pouring into your life. Stop complaining and start taking responsibility. And I started to realize this and and I'm continually realizing this. I I fall back into it, uh, that I'm an adult And adults are not consumers of religious activities. Adults take responsibility for their spiritual journey. They don't blame other people. They're not consumers. They take responsibility for this path that they need to walk. Question, have you been blaming others for your lack of spiritual growth? How can you step up and take responsibility for your spiritual maturity? Um, my wife and I, we adopted a little girl. Um, I think I've shared this before. Her name is Rin. We adopted her from China. She's awesome, and we love her so incredibly much. Uh, when we first got her, though, uh, we, got, we, we got her in the motel, which is just really awkward. You just get a kid in the motel. That's a whole other story for a different time. But we got her, and we... Uh, we would take her downstairs to the continental breakfast. Side note, Chinese continental breakfasts are really good. Don't eat the bacon, though. It's not bacon. I don't know what it is, but it's not bacon. So we would take her down, and we would give her orange juice, and she would start to drink this orange juice, and it was like she was choking on it. And I, I'm not a doctor, so I, I mean, I think it was going down the wrong pipe. Do we have two pipes? I don't know. But it was going down the wrong pipe or something. She was like, <coughs> she couldn't. She couldn't swallow this orange juice, so my wife and I thought she had a swallowing issue. So we get back to the United States. We take her to a doctor to do this swallow test. The doctor comes back. She's like, no, her swallowing is fine. And after a while, it's gotten better and better. She still kind of struggles with it every uh, once in a a while. But as I got to thinking back to that, only recently did I, I kind of diagnosed her because that's what I do. I, I think I know it was wrong. Uh, Rin has cerebral palsy. 
So for her, that means she can't walk without assistance. She's learning. She's like taking like 10 steps, which is so cool. But she, she's learned, but she can't walk without assistance. And so when we got her from her caregivers, uh, they told us because she couldn't walk, they kept her in the room with the babies. She's four years old. Because she couldn't walk, they kept her in the room with the babies. And the only thing she ever drank from was a bottle. Uh, Christians, church, as we journey towards maturity, uh, we're not supposed to keep drinking out of a bottle. We're supposed to move in to the heart of God to become more like him, to look more like him, to love more like him. We're supposed to take on the resemblance of our Father. But man, this path isn't easy. We have to resist the idols. They're out there. You're going to encounter them. We have to beware of busyness because busyness will stop us in our tracks. And we have to take responsibility. One of the ways you can take responsibility even today is you're maybe saying, man, I want to journey in. I want to mature. I want to grow. Go talk to your campus pastor. Go talk to a leader at your church, somebody, anybody, and just say, hey, I want to journey in. Because we're not supposed to do it alone. That's not what I'm saying. Taking responsibility doesn't mean we do it alone. It just says that we take responsibility and we talk to someone that can help us. Go talk to someone and ask, how can I journey in to be more like my Father. Let's pray. God, just thank you so much for this time. Thank you uh, that we could get into your word, and especially in Hebrews, and look at this fact that it, we can be a Christian and we can be immature. We can be a Christian and we can be an infant, and that, that is okay. That is not supposed to be, like, uh, hurtful to anyone. It's just reality. We don't want to stay there, God. I don't want to stay there. I don't even know where I'm at on the line. I'm probably closer to being an infant. Who knows? God, we don't want to stay there. We want to journey on to the heart of God. Help us to resist the idols. Help us to cut out the busyness in our life and help us to take responsibility. God, we love you so much. And we pray this in your name. Amen.